Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Yes, please help out PHI Apparel. They definitely look out for us. Everybody that's going in there checking out the Philly wear that they got, they also have other alternate teams too. So go check that out. Show some love and use the code CHEFS, and it'll look out for all of us across the board, including yourself if you're getting your gear from PHI Apparel. Now, before I go any further, like I said, you just heard that voice, Barry Jordan, a.k.a. the villain. Shout out to the Jordan family. Condolences, thoughts, of it will never shake my mind for real because how deep that guy was in my life. Shout out to Mr. Jordan. I uh, miss you. Um, I'm going to start the show off like that regardless, especially hearing him. That's going to set the show off, set the tone for a lot of shows for here to come, God willing. Um, first and foremost, the first thing I do want to jump into is how things went off last night before I get into how I talk about this entire month right now. But last night, or actually in the early afternoon going into the evening, uh, we had 
two main events in the UFC situation where Justin Gaethje, uh, he actually won his bout in the co-main event, and then the second fight was between uh, Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards, and this is the third time that these two met up. Leon Edwards actually outscored Kamaru in the bout, and the crazy part about this is it looked like Kamaru was actually doing a good job in this fight, but the effective leg kicks to his leg and to, uh, well, to Kamaru's legs and to his midsection were what, you know, basically pushed the judges over the top to give Leon the win, especially with this being overseas in England. So this was definitely a very big win for Leon Edwards to say the most. The one thing that I do look at is the next fighter uh, to be in front of Leon. Leon is, you know, the controversies in front of him, especially in their weight class when they're talking about Kobe would be the next guy. And this is something that I personally was talking about saying that if, uh, Kobe gets the fight. Kobe will probably end up winning that fight up against Leon because he has he has different tactics of trying to take on other people. I think he'd be so determined to get that belt and just more or less be the guy to be the advocate in front of that belt, and it'll set up any type of situation in front of Usman. And um, if Leon is good enough to take on Kobe and knock him off, he's undisputed at that point in time. I don't think anybody could really walk up in there and take it from him. It'll have to take an interested personality to go up in there and get it especially with him beating a big name like Kamar Usman. Usman said he's not done. He's going to continue to fight and try to get back to that platform. But the one thing about it is I don't know if the UFC would entertain a fourth fight between the two of them. You don't really see four fights in any form of fighting, whether it's boxing or UFC. Um, the only one I could think of is like Gotti Ward. Like there's, there's probably been a couple four fights uh, along the way, but I think Edwards has done his job and got that across that he's, better than Usman at this point in time. So hopefully this, you know, this juggling situation of how they can manage that weight class and seeing if Leon Edwards ends up fighting Kobe, or he said in his presser at the end of the fight, he said, well, I'm the champ. I should be able to pick who I want to fight, which is true. I feel like he should be able to pick that, but you don't want to go in there and pick a can. Like, don't go up there and pick a a, a soup can and, and think everybody's going to tune in to watch you fight somebody that you know you're going to beat. I think that's the one thing about UFC. It does have everybody at the edge of their seat to see how things go down. But for me, I think since it's March going into April, I think feasibly so around June, July, if they could set that up, whoever he ends up fighting. But I more or less think that him and Kobe may end up going at it and they fight for the belt. It, it, depending on how that goes, I want to. I just want to see if Leon does win that fight. If Leon wins that fight, I do want to see if he entertains this fourth fight up against Usman or if there's another up-and-comer in their weight class that makes this interesting. But right now, I feel like the only one that would channel some money toward these guys would be about between Kobe and, and Leon. And uh, I think Kobe's been sitting on the sideline waiting for his opportunity. And this is the Eminem lose yourself. And he, he can't he can't probably wait to either fight him again or fight Usman for the third time as well. There's a lot of different trilogies or four fights are going on in the UFC. This is what's making up of a good situation uh, in the UFC, to say the most. Okay, so we do have Mr. Harvey in the building. Mike, welcome to the bunch. How are you feeling this morning? Hey, man, doing all right. How you doing? Bro? So it's good to talk with up with you. Do the Sunday morning brunch. Well, I'm all right. Getting things started this morning. Um, okay, so I know that um, I spoke, you know, previously with Mike last night, uh, he wanted to talk about college uh, sports, and then we'll get into the, the meat and potatoes of things. So, Mike, I'll let you set it off. 
Okay. Uh, real quick on the on the Usman thing, I, I think the only way you see those guys fight again is if, like, it, you know, it's a whole chain of events. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, where they both have fought several other people and it kind of comes back around, but I just don't see that happening. Um, now, but real quick, they had uh, the NCAA wrestling tournament last night. I've been teasing all year. I said that there was a chance to have uh, two four-time national champions this year because there there has only been four in the history of the sport, and we had a chance to have two this year. Where we got one of the two, probably the one that everybody considered the most likely, uh, went down in the semifinals. Um, Spencer Lee from Iowa lost in the semifinals to Matt Ramos from Purdue. Uh, but the other one, uh, Yanni Giacomo-Hollis from Cornell, who was also second in the world this past year. But he uh, he did get it done and is now the fifth, fourth-timer of uh, of all time. So uh, that's, that's a pretty exclusive club, considering only five have done it in the history of the sport. But... Uh, I just thought I would run these off real quick. I may have some more stats when we do uh, roundtable gumbo later on this week, but I just thought I would run these off real quick. Princeton gets their first national champion since the early 50s. Pat Glory wins at 125 at 133. This is a really interesting match. If you guys want to see entertainment, go back and watch this. Uh, Vito Arruja from Cornell wins his first title against Roman Bravo Young. Uh, Roman Bravo Young from Penn State has won the previous two. He got knocked off at 133. Andrew Alvarez at 141 from Northern Colorado. That's their first title since 1962. Uh, at 149, that's where Yanni won from Cornell. At 157, Austin O'Connor from North Carolina. He won his second title. He won two years ago at 149. 165, a repeat champion, Keegan O'Toole from Missouri over David Carr of Iowa State. Carr beat him twice this year, but not yesterday. Uh, Penn State had two champs at 174 and 184 and Carter Sirachi and Aaron Brooks. Uh, Pitt was represented with a champion at 197. And Mason Paris from uh, Michigan in a very entertaining heavyweight bout. He was able to come back after finishing second twice. So uh, Penn State won the team award, but Penn State and Cornell had two champions apiece. And then there were six other schools represented. So it was a, it was a good tournament. It's over. Uh, obviously, but uh, Penn State wins another team title. That's their uh, 10th in 12 years, which is ridiculous. Uh, but at least the uh, the championships were spread out a little bit more. So uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's definitely, you know, fun looking for something to uh, looking for something to watch or whatever. If you ever have a few minutes, definitely check out that wrestling match at 133. But Thanks, TP, man. I just wanted to run those down real quick. Okay, that's for sure. And if Mike's getting into personal stuff, I'm going to get into personal stuff as well. If you guys are under a tree, under a rock, or in a cave, there's a rivalry going on on the ice, and that was between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers. Yes, I'm a diehard Rangers fan, and the Rangers shut them out in bloody form. Six nothing taking place in the garden. If you didn't see that, if you're not into the ice, but I, I know we don't talk about ice like that in here, but I'm, you guys know that I'm a diehard Ranger fan. For them to beat Pittsburgh that big, I, I feel like they are back to where they need to be from last year. They got to the Eastern Conference Final last year, lost to Tampa, 
and we all know how that went down. They lost to uh, Colorado. I feel like New York could have got there, uh, fell short. But the crazy part about this is Pittsburgh is always giving the Rangers a good fight or be in a situation where New York has to prove themselves to get through Pittsburgh. For them to win that big up against Pittsburgh, I think the Rangers are back in the, the seat to be a threat. I, I think they still have to worry about the Bruins out east for sure. But I definitely think New York is a team that teams are going to have to, you know, gather up and try to come after. Not saying that New York can't lose. Uh, they're sitting with 40 wins on the season. But for them to beat Pittsburgh with, with the, the crew that they have over there, I know how this rivalry goes on with these two. I, I was ecstatic to see this go down yesterday. So shout out to Blue Shirts for real. Underground, I see y'all for real for them to pull that off. So I just had to get that personal one out. Now, so the crazy part about this situation that I try to save my energy for, but I really can't because I'm at the edge of my seat. Um. The month of March, the third, like three, the three month. I like, and just to say the word or the number three is just too much. But the crazy part about this month being so mad is, and I said this about a month ago, probably a month and a half ago, is the buzzer. You don't stop until you see those zeros on the board. If you hear that buzzer, that is one of the most cringe feeling situations, especially when the game is close as a one possession game. And a team that's down that has the ball, you have to defend. And if they let that ball go, everybody's holding their breath. All eyes are on the player with the ball. If the ball is in the air, you are going ecstatic. If you're the team that's, you know, got the opportunity to win the game, if that ball goes through the goal, or the team that's just crossing their fingers, closing your eyes, like, please don't let that shot hit. And it's been happening. And the crazy part about it is, nobody is safe across the board. I, I mean, nobody, no big name team. Uh, you could be a number one seed. You could be a favorite. You could be one of the biggest underdogs. Nobody is safe. Like, um, I I can't stress enough that I, I am going to admit it now. Basketball is my favorite sport. I, I know a lot of people love football and I love football too, but just the energy around basketball, including the Arkansas-Kansas game. I'm going to get into the scores. I'm just just trying to go across the board with the energy from arena to arena, court to court, how crazy this is. That Arkansas game, you were seeing mothers hold hands, hold their breath, close their eyes, hands on their chest, like, please don't let this happen, and knowing that they love this energy, just just knowing that they got an opportunity to win. The energy was so electric in each of these buildings. I I, I can't stress enough how great. Basketball is not saying good, great. This is one of the epic sports. Again, like I said, I can't stress enough. If you're a one seed, don't think that you're going to walk over people. Um, coaches are going to come up. They're going to have to come up with better speeches and scenarios when they're in that locker room before they go out there on the floor. They got to. Because if you go just like, okay, let's just do the safe things and rebound and move the ball, that's not enough. That's not enough if you know you're the number one seed and you got them because they're uh, – a, a small school going up against you, but they won their tournament to get you. No, they, these guys have heart parities across the board, and now a lot of these players that are in these small schools, they missed the opportunity to get the big schools. So um, they're ready to take on some of the big dogs. So so let me get into this because I, I can't hide it or stress it enough, and I will save the end of the show portion for uh, the games that go on today. So first and foremost, I'm going to start with Thursday, how these games went down. Um Marquette wins their matchup up against Vermont, 78-61. to Gonzaga wins their matchup up against Grand Canyon, 82-70. to That game was close until 
the bitter end, and Gazag started to pull away. UConn takes on Iona, knocks off Rick Pitino, 87-63. Rick Pitino has a lot of news in front of him. Uh, two schools that are after him, St. John's and my doggone Hoyas are after him, too. I wonder if he stays in Iona or makes the move elsewhere. Uh, Baylor wins their matchup up against UC Santa Barbara, 74-56. to um, That helped them move on into the second round. Xavier wins their matchup in a scare up against Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State kept this so close. Uh, until the bitter end of this game, I'm telling you, it, it, Xavier had to go on a run at the end of the game to win this game. Kennesaw looked like they were going to cruise, and Xavier basically put their heart on the line to win this. If you did not see this speech, go to YouTube for the head coach of Kennesaw State. I'm not going to lie. I shed a tear watching him uh, talk about, you know, the effort that they put into the past four seasons. He said it, this this isn't the beginning right now. This began four years ago when we had one win on the season, and we got here now. And he, he said, these are tears of joy. Don't, don't think I'm crying because we lost. He said, these are tears of joy that we got here. He said, this is going to be the – you know, the level, like we have to get to the tournament every year. I'm not going to watch Kennesaw be like this. Just to hear him have that type of energy and emotion, I'm shedding a tear now, and I'm not lying. The next game that I have is Kansas State going up against Montana State. They win their matchup 77-65. to uh, The next matchup we have is Miami winning their matchup up against Duke 63-56. to uh, St. Mary's takes care of business up against VCU 63-51. to um, the next matchup I have is Indiana winning their matchup up against Kent State, 71 to 60. Uh, we also, and here's another one. Here goes the Shockers. So, one of the first, Florida Atlantic knocks off Memphis, 66 to 65. I know this was a bracket buster, but if you weren't paying attention, Florida Atlantic is 32 and three on the season. They have not been losing too much, and Memphis probably took this situation lightly. It was a dogfight all game long. And they pulled this one out. And the crazy part about the ending of this was watching Memphis not believe that Florida Atlantic could pull this off. And uh, Penny was so mad that Penny was throwing bottles at the camera. Uh, coaches on Memphis were, like, laying on the floor, couldn't believe that they lost to Florida Atlantic. This is basketball. This is what I love about basketball. The coaches are emotionally invested in this situation. The next game I have, I, oh, none of these coaches escaped the situation. Michigan State beats USC. 72 to 62, in which mid game, in a timeout, Tom Izzo has their clipboard and breaks it in half because he's frustrated on what's going on on the floor. I'm telling you, this energy was like this is the this is probably one of the best tournaments ever. I'm saying that right now. Uh, there's no leeway on who can do what of uh, winning, you know, the national title to say the least. Okay, so the next one I have is, and this is probably the upset of the tournament right now. Uh, Fairly Dickinson knocks off Purdue. This actually hurts me <laughs> personally because one of my brackets, I had Purdue winning the championship. They lost first round the second first seed to lose to a 16 seed in history of college basketball. 63 to 58. Um, I want to do this one quickly. The coach for Purdue, um, I'm, I'm like scratching my head and thinking about like what can he do better to make the situation stronger for Purdue. This team was top-ranked this this year in the nation a couple of times, like falling off here and there. Every time they lost, they would fall down and get right back into the driver's seat. And this situation is, is no different. The Boilermakers had a lead early in this game, 
And the one guy that I stress a lot is Zach Eady. Their center is seven foot four monster that can use both hands and could score at the rim. Uh, Fairly Dickinson's plan was to make sure that he didn't even get comfortable in the paint. If he caught the ball, they were double and triple teaming him and making him get rid of the ball. But somebody has to be out there on the floor effective enough to score while the triple team is coming to him, and they couldn't. He had in the first half, he was 6 for 10, 17 points. He's not shooting three, so he hit his five free throws. And he ended the game with 21 points, 7 for 11 from the field, and he only had two other free throws. So he had every other shot that he had. He had two free throws, he hit them. He had one shot from the field, and he hit it. And he couldn't get the ball anymore because they were sending two to three guys at him. Like, what's going on with the rest of the team? Purdue, your coach is going to have to figure this out. And this is almost annually. Or I want to say every other time Purdue is strong enough, they fall somewhere around the Sweet 16, somewhere like that. And it's just puzzling that. He remains there. Um, they're going to have to figure this out. I don't know if Zach Eady will end up going to the league. This is his junior season. I know that scouts are probably gawking at him to get to the league because he's got so much talent and potential, especially being his size, 7'4", and he's, he's a big body. He's not like just a skinny guy. Like, he has a frame to him. He blocks and contests shots. He does a lot. But for them, for Purdue to lose in this fashion uh, says a lot about I really, I really say coaching. Everybody that's been talking to me about it is more or less lining it up with coaching. I really want to try to invest effort into the players that have been out there on the floor with Zach, but it's like this this doesn't explain enough. Like for them to have 58 points in, in front of a mid-major, I'm shaking my head. But let me keep moving. The next matchup I have is Kentucky knocking off Providence 61-53. Ed Cooley, the head coach of Providence, has actually been – uh, listed amongst talks about moving for Providence. He may be a coach in uh, contention for the job in Georgetown. And the last two games I have, TCU knocked off Arizona State. Arizona State was a strong suggestion to move to the second round, maybe be a threat for the Sweet 16. Uh-uh, they're off and out in the first round. Uh, TCU wins this one, especially being a higher seed. Um, and lastly, Pittsburgh wins their matchup against Iowa State. Iowa State being a higher-ranked team, uh, losing this matchup in blowout. Uh, 59 to 41. Pittsburgh took care of business, and this was actually Friday night. I I did miss the Thursday because Thursday had another upset, but I want to do this quickly. But before I do, Mike, any thoughts on the Friday games before I get back to Thursday? The uh, some of the games or matchups or things that were in question that went down Friday night. So I'm going to start with with Purdue um, and Kansas, the two number one seeds that go that went down. Um, I think that these are Different. We've talked about Kansas uh, underproducing before and how Bill Self has uh, not been able to get it done in in the tournament. And in all fairness, like, Purdue didn't play well, right, like at all in this game, other than uh, Zach Eady. Like, he did the best he could. But as a team, uh, Purdue did not play very well. I didn't think that – that Kansas played super bad. I mean, played really poorly. I think Arkansas was more athletic, and they were able to uh, make a couple plays late and pull that out. And this this Arkansas team was a team that a lot of people kind of tagged to be the best in the conference uh, going into the year, and they kind of had some uh, ups and downs and a little bit of struggles uh, at times this season, but. Big for them, uh, but like you said, I mean that 
that's the one thing about basketball that, in my opinion, really separates it from any other sport. When you got a team like, you know, fairly Dickinson that could win, and, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and then Memphis, like, I think Penny was trying to call a timeout and didn't get it, but I don't know. But you're right, like Florida Atlantic, what'd you say, 32 and three or something? So, I mean, <laughs> definitely legit. I don't care. Uh, you know, you got a record like that, you definitely are going to uh, have to be contended, uh, have to be dealt with. And then Duke, you know, 10-game winning streak, whatever it was, 10-12-game winning streak, playing some good ball, and they fall short to Tennessee. Now, Rick Barnes is a guy uh, at Tennessee who has had trouble, whether it be there or Texas. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We'll stick, we'll stick to the game. Stick to the game that I had mentioned just now. I'm, I'm going to get there. I didn't mention Saturday's games yet. So the Purdue okay, game, Purdue then, game uh, is the only one that you have, right? For now. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hit Arkansas, Kansas. You mentioned I was right. I'm going to go back over that. I'm sorry. You mentioned right, yeah, I was Pittsburgh, and that was mm-hmm. that was a Saturday game too. And then uh, Iowa State just didn't shoot well. You know, Pittsburgh had to win that playing game, and they won. So good on them, but Iowa State didn't shoot well at all. My bad. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to do this quickly to try to catch up to where Mike is. The Thursday matchups, and like I said, uh, we still – that upset situation is coming around to people. Uh, Alabama wins their game up against Corpus Christi – well, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, 96-75. Houston wins their matchup. Uh, it had to get into a, a dogfight early, but Houston held on to win this one, 63-52. Uh, to 52. Kansas wins their matchup against Howard and blowout. 96 to 68. Uh, Texas wins their matchup against Colgate, 81 to 61. UCLA, one of the stories of the tournament right now, wins and blowout up against UNC Asheville, 86 to 53. Princeton, <laughs> this is the upset that I wanted to get to. Princeton knocks off Arizona, 59 to 55. Another one of those. Oh my goodness, that did not happen. Yes, it did happen. Arizona has been at the the realm of like not figuring themselves out, but trying to more or less get out of the locker room and say, we're the better team. We'll just knock them off and win it. And I, I remember watching them earlier this season playing Arizona State in Arizona, and uh, the kid heaved a, a shot from half court, hit it, and, and knocked off Arizona with no, no time on the clock, a buzzer beater just to get them off the floor. It's like it bit them. But let me keep on moving because I want to be quick about this. Duke beats Oral State 74-51. to 51. Furman with another upset, probably the upset of the tournament too well. I don't know now because Purdue lost. Uh, Furman knocking off Virginia, 68 to 67. A lot of people definitely had uh, Virginia pegged to win this game, but to probably had uh, Furman as the one team to catch Virginia being vulnerable uh, to a defeat, especially in the first round, and it happened. March Madness, another upsetting situation. Penn State knocked off Texas A&M. Uh, in blowout form, winning this game by 17, 76 to 59. Texas A&M definitely was prepared to be in this game and definitely were not ready for the situation up against Penn State with them having a big run in the Big Ten. San Diego State wins their matchup up against Charles or College of Charleston, excuse me, 63 to 57. College of Charleston had a lead throughout the early portion of the game. San Diego State took the lead by halftime and, and held on throughout the end of the game, but it definitely was a back and forth matchup for sure. Tennessee wins their matchup up against Louisiana, 58-55. to Missouri wins their matchup up against Utah State, 76-65. to Maryland beats West Virginia, 67-65. to My question looms in this situation around Coach Huggins. 
is he still going to be the guy to lead the Mountaineers? He's been through so much and can't really get his teams over the hump. But I still love Huggins or Huggy Bear, if you can call him that, as a coach. But just something about this team. Before Mike jumped into the situation, Arkansas knocked off Illinois 73-63. to Auburn wins their matchup against Iowa 83-75. to And Northwestern wins their matchup against Boise State 75 to 67, and that is an an interesting matchup because Northwestern, I really had Boise State pegged to win that game, but Boise State could not stand up to the uh, situation. Um, the interesting part about so here goes the interesting part about how things went down for um, the next couple of games, which took place yesterday, right? So. And and this is this is the stunning part about basketball, like I said. Um I uh I wonder how a lot of these teams like go into that locker room and, and you know, just try to get themselves together for these matchups because it's like you know that you're gonna get the best from these teams regardless of how you come out, but it's like how do you call that timeout when a team is on the run trying to catch up or if they're if you're coming out there sluggish, missing shots and can't get back into the game and it's just tough to watch these big, you know, seeded teams lose. So let me get into this best as I can for Saturday and then get right back to where Mike is. So San Diego State wins their matchup against Furman. Furman, like I said, had the big uh, upset up against Virginia, but San Diego State cleans them out 75-52 to 52 blowout form. The matchup of what Mike addressed, Tennessee wins their matchup 65-52. to 52. Um this is interesting moving forward. Uh, I want to say the latter part of the 80s going into the 90s, that's where it all started for me. I did not like Duke. Still don't like Duke till this point in time. We know as of last year, Coach K hung him up. Duke was on the run this year, especially at the latter part of the season, taking care of business in the ACC tournament, winning their game, like I said, up against Oral Roberts. I thought they would actually get further than the Sweet 16. I thought they'd be a Sweet 16, maybe Elite 8, and then it started to get tough for them. For them to lose to Tennessee, this was a good matchup for them to prove that they were ready. Duke gets knocked off by Tennessee. I want to see if John Shire can actually carry them further next season. Some of these guys from Duke will end up leaving. That's the one thing about Duke is he gets, well, this was Coach K, but John Shire is now the guy. They get a lot of those All-Americans in there, and it's kind of like the revolving door. They'll come in and go straight to the league. So we'll see how many he could keep around, and we'll see, you know, who ends up leaving this or university, but for them to lose to Tennessee, uh, definitely by double digit, this is a concerning situation. If Duke starts to lose its luster or Shire could get them back to where they once were uh, being strongly relevant, at least sweet 16 down. Uh, One of the games of the night, like Mike mentioned, Arkansas with the big time upset up against Kansas, the, the defending champions, 72 to 71. Kansas definitely kept this interesting. If you didn't watch the game, uh, this could turn into a free throw battle, and at the end of the game, one of the uh, players from Kansas, he got fouled. They're down three. He hits the first. Everybody telling him he has to miss the free throw to make this a game. He tries to miss. He banks the shot in. <laughs> so he banks the free throw in. They're down one. They got to try and foul, and Arkansas did a great job playing keep away for the next three seconds that were on the clock. And this, I, I can't lie. Right now, Eric Musselman may be my favorite coach in college basketball right now, and I don't have anything to do with Arkansas, nothing at all. But he was so hyped to watch his team win 
He jumps over there to where the crowd is, gets in the crowd, takes his shirt off and starts waving it around his head like a helicopter. This is the head coach, people. This is the head coach that did this. Now, the one thing about Kansas that i got to give them some leeway is Bill Self was just in the hospital. He just got out of the hospital, I think, two days ago. He could not be on the sideline, so he wasn't there. I do want to be fair to him that, he, you know, he's recovering. And I, I guess that may have been a cause and effect for that team not to play as strong as they could if Self was there. But for them to defend the championship, it's like, you would think that they would give a stronger effort, but Arkansas was ready. Shout out to Devontae Davis for the game that he had. If you did not see it, he started the first half and had four points in the first half. This guy finished with 25, and he fouled out. He fouled out of the game and still finished with 25. So you can't really question the heart of a champion, and, and hopefully this could help lead Arkansas to where they need to go. But this was a big game, a lot of emotion behind it. Eric Musselman, you got it. You may be my favorite coach in college basketball at this point in time. And just, just to see you, and he's done this before. This isn't the first time that he got involved with the crowd. So, Arkansas, you may be a fan favorite. At least you got my vote for this point in time. Princeton pulls off the upset up against Missouri, 78-63. to Auburn gets knocked off to Houston. Houston wins this one by blowout, 81-64. to Texas knocks off Penn State, getting Penn State back to Pennsylvania, 71-66. to This was a close one. Uh decided late, and especially with Penn State making a run, uh, scoring 43 points in the second half. UCLA continues to move on, winning their matchup 68-63 to up against Northwestern, and the round out the situation for the games that took place yesterday, Alabama cruises up against Maryland, winning by blowout 73-51, to winning by 22 points, and Quinterly, the guard out of Alabama, worth a 22-point difference uh, with three steals as well. He had 22 points to finish. Um, Mike, anything that you'd like to cover on the, the at least the Thursday or yesterday's games as well? I know you got to the Kansas situation as well as Duke also. Is there any other thing that you'd like to cover off of these games here? Yeah, my bad. I didn't mean to skip ahead on you there. But uh, Musselman, man, I, I love that guy. Uh, fantastic coach. He was an assistant on LSU staff a couple of years ago, and I hated to see him get away, uh, to be honest with you. This Arkansas team has had trouble at times, like I said, being consistent this year. Uh, but they just a little bit more athletic than Kansas. I even read some comments from Bill Self saying that, like, his team this year was not as athletic as some of his previous teams, and they really had to execute well. And they did for the most part. They just, uh, you know, came up one point short. Uh, Princeton, hey, big win for them. And not only did they win the first round, but they uh, – they put it to Missouri in the second round as well to get to the Sweet 16. So uh, Cinderella maybe, but if so, then it's at least going to be another week uh, before the clock strikes midnight. Uh, and so the I know that at the end of the show, we're going to hit the games coming up today. But I will say, man, you know, uh, growing up in the South, even though I'm in the Midwest region of the United States now, you know, last year the SEC did not perform very well uh, at this tournament. And I know that they have put a lot of emphasis on basketball over the last few years, really trying to improve the quality of play. And this year we're finally starting to see it in the tournament. Tennis, uh, Auburn played Houston pretty well in the first half. Uh, they ended up getting blown out later. But the SEC has three teams now in the Sweet 16 with a chance to have one more. Uh, and with Tennessee knocking off Duke, even though Tennessee was uh, higher seeded, uh, you, like you talked about, Duke was on that run, so I really thought 
that was going to be a tough matchup for them because Rick Barnes consistently, uh, as I was saying, his teams tend to underperform in the tournament. But uh, you got Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama going into the second weekend with a shot at one more. So uh, big ups to the SEC and what they've been able to do this weekend. And, you know, a good thing that UCLA is winning because otherwise the Pac-12 would be in real trouble. Uh, you know, Arizona got that other number two seed and went down early. But, I mean, to your point, man, that that's one of the things that, that's fun about basketball. It's only five. Uh, you know, you're not going to see a team like a Fairleigh Dickinson or Furman, you know, for the most part, knock off a power five uh, team in football. But it can happen in basketball on the right day. So, I to your point, it's definitely been uh, been really exciting in this tournament. Really exciting is an understatement. I don't, I don't know what words to put to this. This I, I'm stuttering trying to figure it out. Maddening, like crazy, ecstatic, like just watching these buzzer beaters happen. And it ain't just in college basketball. It's happening in the NBA too. Like everything's happening. Like um. I, I, I want to jump into, like, the NBA so bad just to come back to college basketball because I want to go over the games for college basketball to kind of end the show and see how we're going to do it, which um, I, I do want to do that at this point in time. So <laughs> I can't dodge this situation because I kind of try to fight myself. Um, and that that be the talk of the Lakers. Like, like year after year, it's like always something with the Lakers, especially when I was – Starting to show up, it was the Kobe Bryant era and watching Kobe still be at the prime of his career and then figuring out that his body's starting to break down, so on and so forth. LeBron gets there and gets them a championship right after the first season that he comes in because he's injured and they move some pieces to get some things to go down. We fight the COVID and the bubble season, they get a championship. And then it's like, well, when does he get another one to get back there? Because a lot of people don't respect the bubble championship they they you know quote asterisk so on and so forth but they got it at the end of the day you got to give them the credit for that like tooth and nail people will fight you for that situation whether or not but now we're in a situation where lebron is injured again and again the lakers are in jeopardy in which in a game up against dallas this is where i'm telling you this month is mad like it's, it's, it's angry like i don't know what to do with the month of march um the lakers have a lead and they, and I could tell LeBron knows what's about to happen, especially with Luka not playing, basically stressing just keep a body on Kyrie, make sure Kyrie doesn't get a good shot off. And they're doing everything they can with the seven seconds that's on the clock, and Kyrie's trying to get open so he can knock down a shot. He's dribbling with Mayhem and Schroeder, and Lonnie Walker are chasing him, and they have Maxi Cleaver sitting at the top of the key in which nobody's paying attention to him. Kyrie picks up his dribble and sees him wide open, throws him the ball literally with one with point four seconds on the clock. When he lets it go, it's point one, and he hits a buzzer beater in the middle of Crypto.com. And just watching LeBron look at the floor and just walk off, not shake nobody's hand, even though he's hurt, but just go back there and just, like, this is how epic this month is, and that buzzer is not fair to anybody. I'm telling you, but <laughs> the, the, situ, the situation is before that. I don't know if people seen this. LeBron and AD got into a argument on the sideline, which AD kind of turned his head and was like, "I'm not trying to hear it." Like, like knowing that he was doing everything that he could, but he was coming up with plays that I think there was more or less his effort was being in question and the 
I think at this point in time, the Lakers were up by like five, and Maxi Kleber had shot a three and got fouled by Anthony Davis, and he got awarded the three free throws, and they brought it close. So knowing that this situation happened, it's like, when does LeBron get back? Because they are still within the hunt of at least being in a plan. Right now, they're on the outside looking in. This leak cannot continue to happen, and I know that they want LeBron to be there, but his health is the one thing that they need to worry about at this point in time. He can't really rush himself out there, but there's been, you know, words from different media networks saying that LeBron's not ready to get back out there. But to save space, he's going <laughs> to – I don't want to push him out there, but I, I feel like they're going to have to try – as soon as he says he's ready, as soon as he gets cleared, he has to play because they're, we're down to the last, like, 13, 12 games of the season right now. If they If the Lakers lose another two to four games, their season could be in jeopardy. And I'm talking about missing the plan. They could potentially miss it. But the wild part about the 7 through 10 in the Western Conference is very tight. So – Everybody has to kind of like keep winning, or if everybody keeps losing, it's like it's up in the air, which makes this even more mad of a situation. When you see these teams at seven, eight, and nine losing, it's like, well, what's going on? So you have the Warriors have the biggest win streak at home right now at this point in time. They're on like a ten-game winning streak. They're on an eleven-game losing streak on the road. They can't win outside of uh, San Francisco, California, at all. And this is this is the baddest losing streak that they've had on the road since 2019 going into 2020. This was the year that Steph, Clay, and Draymond were all hurt. They went 15-50. and 50. This was the bubble season. This is the last time that they had a losing streak of this capacity. This is at the seventh seed in the plan in the West. In the eighth seed, you have the Minnesota Timberwolves who are playing without Cat already. You have Anthony Edwards that sprained his ankle severely just as recent as two, three days ago. And um, we don't know what they're going to look like without their all-star power forward and their all-star swingman shooting guard talent and Ant-Man. So if Minnesota declines, this could still set up a situation for the Lakers to get there. And the Thunder, like, they're a team to watch, but they can't really figure themselves out. As soon as they start to sniff to get to 500, they lose. It doesn't matter who they play. They have a tough barrage of games this week, including Phoenix today, they have a back-to-back up against the Clippers, and then they follow it out Friday up against the Lakers. So this is going to be a very tough sledding situation for OKC. If OKC can end, mind you, the three games against the Clippers and the Lakers, they're all in Crypto.com. So they're not at home. This game against the Suns is home, so they have to try and do their best to at least get two games to stay within the hunt or keep their head above water. If they could get three, they could push this situation to be above 500. But this is a lot of pressure on these young guns, and if Shea can carry this team to do this. But this is all within realm, and the Utah Jazz are the 10th-seeded team in the West, and you don't know how they could do it or if they could hang on, but they came up with a big win the other night up against the Boston Celtics in which they got Grant Williams at the rim down one, and he shot a, a shot off balance and got his shot punched by Kessler, and that won the game for the Jazz in Salt Lake City. So this is this is erratic. And I'm telling you, this month of March is I, – I, I love basketball. <laughs> I really love basketball watching this go down. You would never expect the Sacramento Kings to be a two-seed in the West. You would have never expect the Memphis to go through what they're going right now and for them to at least be a top three-seeded team in the West right now, surviving without Ja and injuries to other players on this team as well. But this is just the Western Conference. But, Mike, at least for the West, your thoughts on what I've discussed so far? Yeah, so I'm going to start with that Lakers game. <clears throat> 
on Friday night. It, it hurt that they, they dominated New Orleans earlier in the week in New Orleans. They lost to Houston on that second night of that back-to-back when they had uh, Anthony Davis set out. But if you go back and look at this game, they were actually a four when they fouled Cleveland on that on that three-pointer. He hits all three free throws. The Lakers come back down. Anthony Davis gets fouled. He only makes one of two free throws right there. The Lakers were terrible uh, off the free throw line. And you got to hit those free throws, especially when you're trying to clinch, because this is a big difference in this game. I mean, losing this game puts them at 11. If they had won, we, you know, we've talked about over and over again how closely packed these teams are. If they had won that game, they would have been sitting seventh in a game out of six, right? So everything is uh, everything's packed in real tight. They got the magic tonight, so we'll see. But the Lakers, I don't know the exact number, uh, but I want to say they were something like 17 out of 30 or something crazy, 29 or something from the free throw line. Like, it was it was not very good. Uh, Dallas did execute their free throws. Kyrie ran crazy. I think Kyrie dropped about 36 uh, on Friday night. But at the end of the day, you got to hit free throws, man. Like, you can't miss double-digit free throws at home and expect to win. And it was like they grabbed the lead late. You know, they came back, they showed fight, they grabbed the lead late. But they, they missed a lot of uh, – D'Angelo Russell missed a couple of uh, uncontested shots late in the game, too. But at the end of, those, at the, end of the day, if Anthony Davis converts two of those free throws and we, you know, hits both of those, we go to overtime. I'm not necessarily putting all on him. The entire team just shot the ball terrible from the free throw line. And by contrast, Cleveland, the guy that hit all three free throws and hit the three at the end to win the game, he's only a 58% free throw shooter. But when he stepped up to the line late in that game, he hit all three. And so, you know, the just looking at the standings, all these teams are so close that in the Western Conference, that margin is razor thin. And if you don't hit your free throws and the other team does, you're going to have trouble coming out of this. And, and listen, they came back to bite them uh, on Friday night. Uh, you're right. Like Memphis is doing a good job keeping their head above water. With everything going on, Sacramento has been able to take advantage of that jump at the two seed. I'm not surprised to see Memphis uh, in the top three in the West. I thought they had a chance to be up there this year, but I am extremely surprised to see to see Sacramento there. I thought they had a chance to be a playoff team going into this year, or at least be a play-in team. I did not expect them to be this uh, highly ranked. And you're right, like Golden State, somehow, some way, they're going to have to try to figure it out on the road. But uh, nobody really expected Utah to be in the play-in discussion either after they traded Spider and after they you know, traded Gobert and they made all those moves. And now they got a bunch of draft picks moving forward too. And like you said, Shea and the, uh, the Thunder have really uh, uh, been in this conversation too. But everything's so packed up in the West. I feel like uh, I say this uh, – Every week, man, but, like, we got 11 – the Lakers have 11 games left. I think they're sitting 34 and 37 right now. Any of these teams can go on about a four- or five-game win streak. You can really separate yourself and maybe even get out of the play and get all the way up to the six-seed or, you know, five- or six-seed in the West. But uh, they're all packed in there really tight, and it's definitely must-see basketball. Uh, if you don't have it ready yet, get your popcorn ready.
That is for sure. And and the crazy part about what Mike just said about a team going on a four-game winning streak and, you know, potentially threatening to be outside or, you know, in the safe zone outside of the uh, play-in game, I don't even, you know, respect where Dallas or the Clippers sit. They both sit at five and six. They're no big threat to stay there. Like, I feel like they could end up losing games and fall into the play-in. But I feel like if Luka gets back in time, he could save face. If the Clippers could figure themselves out and play consistent basketball, that'd be another thing. But what ills would be be around the word karma? And I love to, like, use that word karma because I know how vicious it could be. If the Clippers make the playoffs, no play-in situation, and the Lakers miss it. You talk about revenge with, you know, Russell Westbrook pulling this off. I could just imagine what microphone is in front of him and what he would have to say if that were to happen, how they try to pin a lot of the situation around him. But the Clippers do have to hang on because they, they don't play consistent enough. Like, they have a team to make it happen. They got a lot of pieces that could threaten teams, but they can be figured out. They can lose games here and there, and that's the one thing that people question can the Clippers push themselves to a Western Conference Final and win the West? That's that's the one thing. And if they are in a playing situation, all all else could be on the line if they don't. So I'm I'm not fully, you know, standing pat with what Dallas or the Clippers are doing. And these two always have historically been neck and neck with each other ever since Lucas got into the league. So I, I want to see how these two can either hang in there or if they do start losing games here and there and another team jumps into the sixth or fifth seed. This is going to be incredible. I'm telling you, this is just the Western Conference, people. This is how the West is going down. Like I said, I had to talk about all of these situations from the Lakers, the Kings, Memphis, and it just just got over-talked about. Golden State is on an 11-game losing streak on the road, 11. That's a big number with Steph Curry. The way the Steph has been actually playing, this is bad basketball with the Warriors. But they just won the championship last year. They just won last year. And with them losing yesterday uh, to the Grizzlies, you still got Clay over there dealing with an injury, and he's talking jump on the sideline to Dylan Brooks, like counting four rings. It's like, no, you guys can end up being in a play and losing that game and missing the playoffs after trying to defend your championship. You guys are aging right now. You guys are in your 30s. Clay, Steph, Draymond. I, I feel like when Draymond's contract is a discussion, I don't think Golden State's going to bring him back, even though he's a, the captain, vocal leader defensive anchors, so on and so forth, I, I, I don't think Golden State brings him back. All of the stuff that he's gone through with Steve Kerr and that organization, this is a, Golden State better pay attention right now. They better at least get a game on the road so they can feel confident about what they're doing going into the postseason because right now they're in the play and teams are not scared of them anymore and they lost a good amount of pieces, you know, getting rid of Wiseman, so on and so forth. I, I don't think Golden State's a threat to get back to the uh, final, the finals. Let me just say that. I, I mean, they can probably push themselves to get to a Western Conference final uh, if they could get home court advantage, but they're sitting at the bottom half of the the playoff window if they're in the plan. So they'll be, you know, the underdog if you're looking at this correctly. So, again, a lot of people try to come at me saying, you know, the East is playing better basketball than the West. The West is so much parity, and watching these teams across the board go out of hell. Even looking at Portland, and Portland is deep out of the way. They're making – headway on trying to make this an interesting run, too. They are, you know, at the, I think this is the 12th seed? No, they're the 13th seed, and they're definitely not out of this. They could definitely push their way into it, even though I know a lot of people would want to see Portland be there, but a lot of people are pushing for Dane to do better, especially with this organization, especially the season that he's had, especially with him putting up 71 points. And Portland nowhere near trying to get into this thing, but they are at least from the 10th seed. Let's see. 
they are 15 and a half back. They're three games behind Utah, at least at this point in time. So they got to go on a streak, too, to try to get into this thing. Everybody's, you know, watching at this point in time. This is just the, the Western Conference. Like I said, I'm hoping that Zion can get his act together, but I think he may miss the rest of the regular season. Um, and that's a threat because if uh, they don't make the playoffs, then he misses a whole nother season altogether, basically. He, he was doing good at the early portion of the season, and his injury history is bothering him at this point in time. I, I just don't want to see his career look like this at the point in time. Looking at the Eastern Conference, though, um, you have the Bucks that are sitting at first place. The Sixers are on an eight-game winning streak at this point in time, supremely hot. Uh two games back from the Bucks. The Celtics are two games back as well, but holding the third seed. Uh, this is due to them playing more games in Philadelphia. That's why they're behind them. So, if, you know, uh, the equivalent, I think Philly's played two less games. If, if Philly catches up with the two games, we'll see how that looks. But right now, that's one, two, and three at this point in time in the Eastern Conference. Cleveland is sitting at the fourth seed. The Knicks are a fifth seed, 42 and 30. The Nets are sitting at six with 39 and 31 as their record at this point in time. The seven through 10 are the Heat, Hawks, Raptors, and Bulls, in which the Heat can actually push the envelope. They are sitting two games behind Brooklyn. I thought Brooklyn would end up falling out of the situation, losing Kyrie and KD. The Heat are 13 back, two games behind the 11 games back from the Nets. The Hawks are 15 games back, sitting at the AC, 35 and 35, sitting 500. The Raptors are 35 and 36, 15 and a half back, and the Bulls are 33 and 37 at this point in time, 17 back at the 10th seed. Uh, interesting news that has come out within this week, and this is saddening to me because I actually do like this guy, regardless of all the scrutiny and everything that he's faced for his short career that he's been in the league. I want to say five years, four or five years at this point in time, but it bothers me. And and, and at this point in time, it's, it's almost like tear-worthy emotional. Lonzo Ball is threatened to miss next season as well. Um, he's having another surgery on his knee. This guy has not played basketball since January 2022. Um it's unfortunate because him coming out of college, uh, all-American basketball player, had to deal with all of the scrutiny that his father put in front of him. Like, my son's going to do this, my son's going to do that. Lonzo was answering the bell in college, got to the league, got to the Lakers. The pressure of his hometown team having to play with LeBron, it didn't really work out, and they moved him, and they moved him, and they moved him, and his body started, I don't want to say breaking down, but he's just been injury prone. And at this point in time, with him being in Chicago on a team that needs him at this point in time, He's been not been there due to the injury, and it's sad that he may potentially miss a whole nother season again, especially since he hasn't played since January of last year. He, he missed at least three months of basketball last season, and all of this season so far, um, it speaks volumes on, you know, what he's had to go through at this point in time. I, Lonzo, I'm praying for you. I want to see you play. You are a good basketball player. Uh, even if you weren't on my team, even if you played for the Lakers, if you played for the Pelicans, you played everywhere, man, and just can't, you know, stay out of the limelight of whether the news or the media or your own father. And you not, he's not even a talkative player. He don't talk trash or nothing. And it's just, it's sad to watch this or hear this happen, Alonzo. Get well as best as you can. But if he's missing the whole next season, that means he's definitely not coming back this season. Um, but if that surgery is successful and they're saying that's his timetable, I, I feel extremely you know, down and out about Lonzo Ball's situation. But that at least is the Eastern Conference situation across the board on how this is. Um, 
it's a lot closer in the West, but it's interesting in the East on how these teams are seated. I think Cleveland will remain the fourth seed at this point in time unless the Knicks go on a run there two and a half back uh, from Cleveland. I, I, I want to see that matchup anyway, whether Cleveland hangs on to the fourth, the Knicks go to the fourth seed. I think that's the matchup of the playoffs, or at least to get out the gate, because um, the Knicks have surprised them. I really feel like that. But if Spider could hang on to this unit and get Cleveland out of the first round, that's a hell of a trade by the Cavaliers to make that happen on the fly, uh, making that move with the Utah Jazz that we just spoke about, or Mike spoke about a little while ago. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on Eastern Conference basketball, the teams that I just spoke about? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the West, we kind of thought going into the seed. This one, this is the one conference that has kind of, uh, I, I want to say, shaken out a little bit more like we thought it would, even though there are definitely some surprises in there. And that Boston, Philly, and Milwaukee, top three in the, in that conference, uh, the Knicks have been playing better basketball than I think a lot of people anticipated. I think that that Cleveland-New York series first round will definitely be one to watch. Uh, you know, you hit on it, the Nets uh, in the sixth seed right now. Uh, you know, there it was talk that they could fall down to the play-in, but like, I feel like that uh, they've done a really good job trying to piece things back together uh, after trading those superstars away. So, Interesting to see what happens with them. Uh, that's going to be a a tough first round matchup for them, though. Whichever one of those three that they that they draw from the from the top of it, and then you look uh, seven through ten. Listen, Chicago with they really kind of fallen off, but with all the injuries and everything else that they have had, with Lonzo being out and everything, that you know, for them to at least be in the play in discussion. I'm not surprised to see Toronto there. Uh, the Heat, you know, some people thought might finish a little higher. Atlanta, you know, uh, another coach fired, so we'll see. I agree with you, Alonzo. Like, uh, supremely talented point guard coming out. And he – the thing about it is, too, is over the course of his first couple of years in the league, like, he really improved his game. His shot got a little bit better. He was always a good ball handler and a good passer. But his shot got a little bit better. In New Orleans, he even played off the ball some, even though that's not his strength. It did, I feel like, make him a better, well-rounded player, right? So uh, seeing Lonzo out again, I, I just I hate to see that for him. I, I hope that somehow he can find a way to get back, even if it you know does take all of next season. I hope that maybe then come – I guess what would be 24, the 24 season and the 24-25 season, that he can come back healthy and be strong. I feel like, uh, once again, just a supremely talented player. And regardless of what his father threw out there, was, was whatever was said, like, like you said, man, he, he never has done a lot of fast talking. He's always kind of tried to sort of uh, – stay away from that. I mean, he'll quietly su- support his father. He ain't going to speak out against his, his pops either, but uh, he he has handled himself in a professional manner uh, from all the time I followed him in in this league. So, you know, I, I really hope he can get back and, and be healthy at some point and, and continue his career. 
But yeah, I mean, like, listen, the somebody can go on a run and maybe change his seating a little bit. I I think that probably the the most likely scenario is somehow these seven through ten seeds change a little bit. You said one of them was thirty five and thirty five, then Toronto was thirty five and thirty six. I think so. You know, that's just one game in the loss column. So, you know, we'll see kind of how it pans out. But compared to the madness of the West, uh, you know, a couple surprises in the East. But I feel like it's been fairly predictable as far as what we thought with a few, with a couple of exceptions, but definitely not as many as in the Western Conference, but still some quality basketball. But I would not uh, – People can say the Easter, as you said earlier, people can say the Easter playing better basketball, whatever, but don't count out the Western Conference once it comes time for the, the big stage in June. That is for sure. Um, of course, I've expected across the board, Philly is the talk right now in the Easter Conference for them to be on an eight-game winning streak. And um, for me, I, I definitely said it here on different networks as well. Um, Doc has to get to it, at, and I really only want to say at least. Eastern Conference Finals, I really think the finals. I want to say the finals. Philly got to get to the finals because Doc keeps falling short somehow, some way, year after year after year with a decent amount of talent around him. I think a lot of people are expecting Philly to do better, and they haven't. And at this point in time, they're putting it together. They are healthy. James Harden is healthy. Embiid is healthy. Um, Embiid is the powerhouse right now, and he's actually the dynamic of the discussion of the MVP. I want to say about a couple of weeks ago, more or less, everybody was saying, Jokic is going to win three straight. Jokic is going to be on his third year winning an MVP back-to-back-to-back. It doesn't look like that right now. Giannis has entered the discussion. Tatum was going on a little tear. And Embiid is now the forefront leader of the MVP uh, voting, at least in Las Vegas. He's on the top of the leaderboard at this point in time. So Embiid has definitely pushed the envelope. But I still think the voters may put Jokic there for the third straight MVP. But it's just gotten interesting as of the latter part of the past week and a half, I'd say. So this is definitely interesting ball in the Eastern Conference right now. I want to see if a team in the East can stop Philadelphia at this point in time, to say the least. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to talk about the games that I had said that were slated for today for college basketball, and I'll do this as best as I can. The first matchup we have for the day, Pittsburgh takes on Xavier in the next couple of minutes. Mike, who do you like? Uh, and I don't have a point. Yes, I do. Xavier is favored by five in his matchup up against Pittsburgh, an old Big East matchup. You know, I, I kind of have gone back and forth in this game. Pittsburgh plays really good defense. I know Xavier is sort of the higher seed. Um, you know, Pittsburgh has already had to play twice this week already. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to say Xavier gets it done, but I don't feel good about it. Okay. The next matchup we have Kentucky starts at 240 up against Kansas state and Kentucky is favored by three in this matchup. Who do you like in this matchup and why Kentucky or Kansas state? Uh, I, you know, it's real interesting because Kentucky is, is has been a strange team this year. Uh, they were at a at risk of missing the tournament at one point. Uh, they they kind of started putting it together late. 
But then I watched them uh, lose to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. Uh, Kansas State is the last good team that LSU really had a chance to beat this year. Actually, they beat Arkansas once after that, but then no, nobody else. I say Kansas State wins, but once again, this 3-6 matchup, I, I don't feel great about that one either, but I'm going to go with Kansas State. Okay, um, and just for the record, uh, the first game I'm going with Pittsburgh to win that matchup against Xavier. I don't think Xavier's strong enough to deal with the Panthers. And in this matchup, I'm going with Kentucky. I think Kentucky knocks off Kansas State. Calipari's going to have to get to a Sweet 16. Um, he's really not impressed getting national championships, especially with the talent that he's gotten. He has to threaten to get there. Kansas State, uh, I feel like you guys are strong enough to, to hold up to the task. I think Kentucky, especially with Coach Cal being there, he can't lose this game if not. Watch out for me on any show that's coming up soon in Sports City. The next matchup we have is Michigan State going up against Marquette. Big Ten versus Big East. How do you like this? Who do you like? Repeat that. Repeat those two teams one more time. Michigan State going up against Marquette. Uh, Marquette is favored by three. Um, Tom Izzo usually finds a way. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Michigan State to make the Sweet Sixteen. Marquette is favored by three for a reason. I'm going with Marquette. Shaka Smart sends Tom Izzo back to East Lansing. The next matchup we have are St. Mary's going up against UConn. UConn is favored by four in a very interesting matchup. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, St. Mary's or UConn? I'm going to go with the Huskies from your home region. I'm going to say they pull it out to this. This is when Connecticut is so dangerous, when people don't give them the respect of where they are or they're not pegged to go far, and Connecticut will win games. And then next thing you know, you're like, holy crap, they're in the Elite Eight. How? I feel like UConn can win this game, but St. Mary's, when they're in the tournament, it's just something about them that they win games. you like, this is a mid-major that people know about. It ain't like, oh, we just heard about them out of the thin blue sky. You better respect SMC for real. But I think UConn wins this game. But if St. Mary's wins, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. But UConn should win this game. I feel like they'll take care of business and cover the spread to say the least bit. Uh, the next matchup we have is Baylor going up against Creighton. I've been letting Mike go a lot first. I'm going to go with Baylor to knock off Creighton. I, I think uh, Coach McDermott actually falls short in this matchup. I think Baylor carries or helps carry the Big 12 as best as possible. This is a basic pick em. Baylor is favored by one. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Creighton or Baylor? I'm going to go with Baylor, too. I do think the Big 12 is a really good conference. They lost their number one seed, but you got Texas through, and now – I picked Kansas State early. We'll see how that turns out, but I'm going to pick Baylor to get through as well. I feel like this is like the game of the day, even though it's probably not, though, but I'm just doing it just for my own sanity of this maddening month. But underdog up against underdog, Fairleigh Dickinson up against Florida Atlantic, both of them with the unthinkable win, uh, 16 versus a nine seed. Um, I'll go first again. Florida Atlantic is favored by 15 and a half. I think Florida Atlantic advances, but fairly Dickinson, if you guys pull this off, this will be this is Cinderella and getting all of the rats to turn into coachmen and your pumpkin turns into a carriage, everything. If Fairly Dickinson pulls this off and beating Florida Atlantic and being a fifteen damn near sixteen point underdog, I tip my hat, salute you and apologize altogether. Mike, who do you like in this matchup? FDU or FAU? 
Clock strikes midnight on Fairleigh Dickinson. <clears throat> you know, you mentioned Florida Atlantic record. They've only lost three times this year. Uh, their fourth loss will not come until next weekend. Okay, fair enough with that one. The next matchup we have, interesting matchup. I do like this one. Miami up against Indiana. Indiana's favored by two points, basically a bucket. Um, oh, he's been, oh, this is tough. I don't want to read them. I'm going to go with Miami to win this game. I don't think Indiana pulls this off. This isn't the Midwest. This is closer to Indiana. I, I think Miami doesn't even have to worry about traveling. They've been playing good ball, especially in the ACC, but have been falling short on certain games. I think they can't let it happen to an Indiana team who's depending on uh, Tracy Davis-Jackson, uh, Dale Davis' son. He's a monster in the paint. But I think Miami has more guns than Indiana at this point in time. I'm going with the Hurricanes. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Miami or Indiana? I'm going to go with the Hoosiers, man. The state of Indiana, basketball state, got to have at least one team around, especially after Purdue disappointed. So I'm going to go with uh, Indiana. I'm going to say they pull it out today. Okay. In the last game of the night, we have the TCU Horn Frogs up against the Gonzaga Bulldogs, a.k.a. the Zags. Who do you like in this matchup and why, Mike? The, the Frogs or the Dogs? I picked the Big 12 a couple of times today. I'm not going to do it again. Uh, somehow the Zags end up finding a way into the Sweet 16 most years, so I'll go with Gonzaga today and say they make the Sweet 16. Agree with Mike, and here is the crazy situation, and I know Karma's around probably waiting for me to mess around, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is one of the seasons that Coach Mark Few can sneak into a Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and try to push the envelope for these Zags. He's fallen short several times. He's gotten to two different national championships and lost. Hopefully he can push the envelope, get back to another Final Four, and get there without no real big dogs in front of him. It's a line for him to try to pull this off. Hopefully he can get this done. I'm going for the Zags. I, I love Mark Few, too. He's one of my other favorite coaches. Between him and Musselman, Musselman is a good guy. Few, with everything that he went through to the start of the season, dealing with the suspension, so on and so forth, and you got Gonzaga actually at this point in time right now in the second round, the fourth, another Sweet 16 bid. I think they get it done. I think the Zags pull this off, um, especially with this game taking place in Colorado. So I'm, I'm going with the Zags to uh, finish this one off. Um, Mike, is there anything else that you'd like to stress before we get ready to close up here at the brunch? Uh, real quick, the U.S. beat Venezuela last night. A lot of people don't care about this World Baseball Classic, but – U.S. plays Cuba. Uh, Japan plays Mexico. Uh, those two games are tonight and tomorrow night at 7 Eastern. And then the finals of the World Baseball Classic will be Tuesday night at 7 Eastern on uh, probably FS1, actually. And then once that's over, we got nine more days and we get uh, focused on Major League Baseball. And the season will be starting uh, 11 days from today. So that's the only other thing that I wanted to hit today. Your time moves so fast, like so fast. And, and I just remember a little while ago, we were like pitchers and catchers, February. He's saying 11 days till the season starts. And just thinking around that time where we were talking about pitchers and catchers, oh, we're at the combine and they're running this down the third. The draft is coming too. And just so if you were under a tree or under a rock, the Dallas Cowboys have acquired Brandon Cooks too. So they have another speedster receiver 
Hopefully this helps Dak out. Um, the one thing about the Cowboys situation, especially with Dak Prescott, I think this is his last hurrah. If he can't get these guys over the hump, and I'm feeling like NFC Championship type talk, he's gone. A lot of people were thinking of the threat of Cooper Cup leaving. Uh, not Cooper Cup, Cooper Rush, excuse me, leaving because they. I feel like they didn't have confidence in him. The Cowboys signed him back to a two-year deal. So if they do get rid of Dak, they at least have somebody that knows the system and knows these players as well. So I think Dallas knows what's up. Dak is going to have to prove himself this year, and they went and got him another gun at the receiver position. Just after getting T.Y. Hilton, getting rid of Amari Cooper, so on and so forth. The focus is now in front of number four. Uh, Mike, I need a plug, closeout, shout-out, anything that you'd like to promote as we get ready to shut the doors here at the brunch. Uh, real quick, TP, I just got to say it because I haven't been able, on a show with you to be able to share. I am very excited to have Jamal Williams in black and gold coming up this season. Uh, but <clears throat> sportscitychefs.com, check out everything we got going on there. We got uh, articles website. We did an NFL uh, show this past Tuesday night. Uh, check out our shows, the mothership on uh, – on Sunday mornings, like Thomas and I are doing today, the Sunday morning brunch, we have the callers cook out on Wednesday nights, and Chandler and I are doing roundtable gumbo. Uh, on Thursday nights, uh, also, uh, phiapparel.co. Don't forget to use the promo code CHEFS at checkout, and um, they will uh, take care of you there, get 15% off of all your Philly clothing apparel, man. But like we always say in Louisiana, man, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for having me, TP. It's always a pleasure and a privilege, my brother. Peace. And to answer the mic or to rebuttal the situation, you have Jamal Williams. I'm thankful for his services that he did in Detroit for his 17 touchdowns. I want to be as calm as saying this. Have fun. Bon voyage. Um, I think he's at the latter point of his career, and he he left on a bad note leaving Detroit because he said the contract that they offered him was disrespectful. And it's like, you're older now, and I don't know if you were looking at big money being a running back like, you know, Derrick Henry or, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley. I don't know what type of money he was looking for if teams are passing up on you. If Green Bay passed up on you, if Detroit is looking at trying to work with a contract to bring you back but you didn't like it, I want to see what happens down there in St. Louis, uh, not St. Louis, New Orleans, to see if this works out for you, especially with you. You're going to be behind another running back again. You were behind Aaron Jones. You were behind DeAndre Swift. Swift got hurt. You had to carry the ball in Detroit. You're going to be behind Alvin Kamara now. So this is all a, a interesting situation. Hopefully he can get it done. The Saints do have a good offensive line, so it would be somewhat similar to him getting the holes that he needs. But um, if not, if he has a dip in performance, I wouldn't be surprised, but rebuttal this the right way. The Lions did sign David Montgomery and got him to a three-year deal, 18 mil, six per. And if Jamal was looking for that type of money, he's not the running back that Montgomery is. So in that sense, it's kind of like I got to take the better running back. So I got to go with Montgomery. But Montgomery does have his injury issues at that point in time as well. So I'm happy to get Montgomery and replace him. Detroit is finally putting – the Legos together. Like, we are building this team the right way, finally. We got a GM that is really focused on this team and not getting one pick here, getting one free agent there, and then that's that. We're just going to play with what we got here. No, 
Detroit is making moves, and even on the NFL networks and things of that nature, they're saying Detroit has been the biggest winners in this free agency market so far. So I love it right now. It's just sad to see Jamal go. He's a fan favorite. I don't want to take that away from him. Um, anime guy, and he was the one-yard specialist getting those 17 touchdowns. It wasn't like he was hitting home runs, scoring touchdowns like that. He wasn't scoring 20, 30 yarders. He was, they were getting to the goal line, and he would just punch it in. So I, I give him that. I won't take that away from him. But um, we need another running back outside of Jamal and to threaten DeAndre Swift. That That's the key. Swift, Swift can no longer hang on to the, oh, I'm injured, I'm sitting out five weeks. No, that's, that's not happening. So, Jamal, do what you got to do down there in the boot. Help Mike and those Saints out because they do need it. They just signed Jameis Winston to a one-year deal also. We will figure out how that goes down. You're going to have to catch them out of free-for-all for sure here in Sports City. I, I got a lot to jump into, but like I told you, this month of March is so mad. I don't know what topic to stick to, what to get crazy about because I'm, I'm hype. I'm at the edge of my seat. Um, Mike has a show going on with a buddy of Jason, and he also has a show going on with Chandler. Aaron, a.k.a. Sirius, is back in the saddle, and we got Barry back in the building as well. Barry will be back Wednesday as well with the cookout as well, a.k.a. Timers versus the villain. Y'all already know how this thing go down. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.